for leading us today in worship. It's wonderful to be together in the lawn of the Lord. I'm going to start calling it the lawn of the Lord. We're so used to our, our phrases, we say, welcome to the house of the Lord. I have to start saying, welcome to the lawn of the Lord. We're, we're glad you're here today. I mean that. If you're a guest, welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's good to see Josh again. Glad he's here. Great to see all your smiling faces. I'm glad the Garcias are home safely. We praise God for that. Amen. 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 What a great God we serve today. What a great God we serve today. Amen. And I'm so thankful for his goodness. And I'm glad you're here today. Praise God. Would you, right there where you're sitting right now, would you begin to pray with me? And I don't know what you came expecting today. I don't even know if you came expecting or not. I hope you did. I don't know what you came needing today or if you have any needs. But the Lord knows. The Lord is fully aware. And I'm... Most of us know this, but it bears repeating. I'm not interested in just going through the motions. I'm really not interested in two songs and, and a nice put-together sermon. You're, you're not going to get that with me anyway. I, I'm interested in what the Lord wants to do. I, you understand, when we come together, this time is so precious. We've, we've realized that very much so these last few months, how precious it is to come together. We can't just come together and go through motions. We need the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit of God, the operation and the work of God when we gather together. And so would you pray with me right now? And would you, between you and God, would you purpose, Lord, whatever you're wanting to do, I'm going to yield to you. I I need, you know better than I do what I need. Come on, talk with Him right now. Lord, you know my needs better than I do. I may think I know what I need, but you know exactly what I need. You know the pressures of life. You know the things that weigh on my heart and my mind. You know the things, Lord, that I've cried out to you about in secret. You know all of these things, Lord, and you care about every one of them. And by your grace, I'm going to cast them on you because you care for me. And I pray today in this place, Lord, that there would be a unity of your Spirit and the ministry of your Spirit. As men and women, we cannot produce what is needful, Lord. It is you that does the work. It is you alone that can minister to the areas of our heart and our mind and our body and our spirit and our soul. Only you can do these things, God. And so we ask you, in the name of Jesus, to do what you desire to do today. I pray, let my will die here and let your will live. Let your will be accomplished among us this morning let your will be accomplished in this place for your glory let your will that's already established in heaven be established here in our gathering today 
and by the name and the authority of the name of Jesus and by the word of the Lord I take this gathering under the authority of Jesus name I take authority over every sickness over every infirmity and over every disease I take authority over every spirit that would war contrary to the will and the work of God in this time today and I pray there be a loosing of faith a loosing of healing a loosing of deliverance a loosing of the ministry and the liberty of the Holy Ghost that the will of God would be done in Jesus name I bind fear and I loose faith I bind doubt and I loose faith I bind oppression and I loose victory in the name of Jesus 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 in Jesus name in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Praise God. The scripture says, Whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the word of God. I didn't write that. The Lord Jesus spoke that. And therefore, I know that it is true. Now, I don't just declare things willy-nilly casually. But when we will yield to the Holy Ghost, He gives His authority to flow through us to bind and to loose. We're not going to teach that whole Bible study today. We could. You and I must understand when we are redeemed when we're bought with the blood of the Lamb, when we're washed in the blood, in the waters of baptism, and when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are restored. The plan of God is that that restores us to our rightful place of dominion. Well, we're just going a whole different direction than I thought we would go today. And so much for the notes. We're just going to be right here for a little bit. Pray with me again. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray the ministry of your word and your spirit exactly as you desire. I pray that your words would not be tainted by my humanity, but there be a clear and certain sound that flows from your throne. By your grace, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the book of Genesis, we find Adam in the garden. How many of you heard that story before? Raise your hand so I know you're halfway with me. Okay, almost all of us, look at that. I've heard of that story of Adam in the garden. Well, the scripture says that the Lord gave Adam dominion. It says he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea. If you read that passage in Genesis, it speaks of the things all in the water. It gave him dominion over the fowl of the air. Anybody ever read this? And gave him dominion over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. You see what the Lord just did with Adam? He gave him dominion on things in the water, in the air, and on the earth. God's plan 
from the beginning was that man would walk in dominion. Not in man's own dominion, but in the dominion of God. What is dominion? We, we hear the word a kingdom. God's plan is that you and I as children of God would be a part of His kingdom. Brother Lewis was talking about the kingdom of God versus building his own kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a king's dominion. That's where we get that word kingdom from, the king's dominion. And so the Lord gave Adam dominion. He didn't give Adam his own kingdom. As long as Adam stayed in right relationship with God, Adam had dominion. Right? But the moment Adam got out of relationship with God, out of right relationship with God, he lost dominion. Right? Eve ate of the tree. She was deceived by the serpent. And the scripture said, and we give Eve a hard time, but Adam was the one that was at fault. Some ladies really like that, but they, they were both at fault. They were both at fault. Ladies like that part. They don't always like the rest of the reason why he was at fault, but... But that's not what we're going to talk about today anyway. But The scripture says, and she turned and she gave to her husband also. And he did eat. So that tells me he was right there when she took it. And he wasn't operating in the king's dominion that he should have been operating in. Because if he would have, he would have said, no, God said we don't eat that. And she would have said, okay. They were help meets. They were there to help each other. He wasn't her dictator. That's not what the scripture teaches. He was her help meet. And so he knew the Lord had spoke those things to him. Don't eat of that tree. He had spoke that to him. He was there when she was getting ready to eat of it. He had a responsibility to tell her what God had told him. But he didn't, so he was at fault, and so they ate. Well, when they ate of the tree, dominion was broken. What happened? They gave up dominion to the adversary. The adversary deceived them, and they gave up dominion. How did they do that? They stepped out from under God-ordained authority. You with me? God said, every tree in this garden you can eat of. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Yeah, okay. Look at the, See, you guys, this is like Sunday school. He said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but not this one. Right? Is that, are we, we good? We're in the book? But sometimes people get nervous if I don't read out of the Bible. They think, oh, he didn't read a scripture. Just, we're in the book. Yeah, so he said, every tree but this one. Why did God say you could eat all trees but not this one? You ever ask this question? Why did God just not put that tree there? I ask those kind of questions. Do you ever ask those kind of questions? Why didn't he just leave that tree out? Well, we, here's why he didn't leave that tree out of the garden. That one tree that they could not eat of, that was what kept them in the place of proper alignment with God and relationship with God. That was the thing that kept Adam in alignment with the will of God. God said, everything in here you can eat of except this. And Adam showed his submission to God's authority by his obedience to the word of God. Does that make sense to everybody here this morning? What was he doing? He, as long as he obeyed God, he's saying, God is my authority. 
I'm submitted to the authority of God. I'll not violate the word of God because it's the authority in my life. Do you and I understand that when we violate the word of God, what we're saying is exactly what Adam and Eve said. I can make my own decisions. I don't need the word of God to tell me what to do. I'm as wise or wiser than God's word. Well, that changes things, doesn't it? But that's what Adam and Eve did. Oh, they may not have spoke that out verbally, but their actions, their actions, everybody say, my actions. Come on, everybody say, my actions. It was all good until we were talking about your actions, right? My actions. My actions reveal my allegiance. My actions reveal whether I am truly submitted to the Word of God or not. And Adam could have said all day long, oh yes, I'm submitted to the Word of God. I'm following the Word of God. I have a good relationship with God. I'm in the right place with God. But the, and he, may have had a, he did have a good relationship with God. But somewhere along the way, what happened is, the adversary, the serpent, we know it was the devil, deceived him. And how did he deceive him? He twisted the word of God. Because he said to Eve, Did not the Lord say? And he shared part of what the Lord said, but then he added his own little part to it. This is why you and I need to know what the word of God says. This is why I tell you, don't ever just take my word for it. When I share something with you, go dig in the book and let's talk about it. It's not what thus saith the preacher, it's what thus saith the word of God. Now yes, we need a preacher, the scripture teaches us that. The Lord chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's the word of God. But I have to know what the word says for myself. And the challenge was, Eve did not know what the word of God said, and Adam, who was responsible for Eve in their relationship, Adam didn't speak up and say, hold on a minute, God said you shouldn't. And in so doing, they stepped out from under the dominion of God. And we know the result. The Lord cast them out of the garden. Why did He cast them out? Because in the garden they had dominion. But now they no longer had dominion. On the day of Pentecost, we were restored to dominion. This is the plan of God, is for you and I to walk in. In dominion. Authority. In the king's authority. But you, I don't just get to pick and choose. You know what? Today I'll walk in the king's authority. Tomorrow I think I want to walk in my own authority. Right? Today I think I want to do what God wants me to do. God, I'll check in with you on Thursday when we get back together. I'm going to do what I want to do today. Oh, no, I think I better do what God wants me to do because I've had a rough week. So maybe it would be better if I do what he says. Ah, I think I'm doing good right now. I'll do what I want to do. And many of us live our lives that way. Vacillating between what would God have me do and what do I want to do? What would God have me do and what do I want to do? And it's this place of unsettledness in our lives where we never have peace and never have clarity. Maybe we have good days and bad days and you're always going to have those as long as you're human, by the way. But our mind never seems to get settled. Our mind never seems to have peace and clarity. 
Why? Because there's this pull between the will of God and the will of man and the will of God and the will of man. And the scripture is very clear. When I'm doing my own will, the Bible has a name for that. There's a word for that in the scripture when I do my own will. You know what that word is? Iniquity. Iniquity. I can't operate in my will and be in the dominion of God. Why? Because God's not going to share his glory with another. Scripture teaches us this. If, um, hey, come here, Brother Lewis. Why don't you stand over there somewhere? Not too close. There you go. That's good. So, you okay? All right, hang out right there. I'm going to borrow this chair for a minute. Good morning, Maya. All right, so we got this chair here. Right? This chair, have a seat, Brother Liz. Who's this chair belong to? It's not a trick question. In this, if, you were, if, if we were to say the person on the chair owns the chair, whose chair is it? Lewis's chair. All right. Now, if I want that chair, what do I have to do? This isn't a hard question. You guys are overthinking it. I got a bunch of analyticals sitting in the lawn today. If I want the chair, what do I have to do? What's that? Can I have the chair? He said no. I, what, now what do I got to do? I, I got to fight him for it, don't I? Right? So, so the first thing I can do is I can ask him for it. Right? Can I have the chair? No. He still says no. He's stubborn. Some of y'all are stubborn too. Right? Please. May I have the chair? Okay. Now, see, he gave me the chair. So, oh, no, 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 don't go too far. Everybody doing okay? Now, whose chair is it? Why is it mine? Right, you remembered, the, you remembered the rule, right? I own the chair because I'm here. Okay, so what does he have to do if he wants it back? Okay. No resistance, right? So what if I want the chair? I think it was Brother Irvin that said, well, you got to fight him for it. Right? He's like, I don't want to give up the chair. I don't want to. I want the chair. I like the chair. It's my chair. I really like this chair. It's my favorite color. It's in my favorite spot. I got a little bit of shade, but the sun's on my head. I like the way that feels. This is my perfect chair. I don't want to give up this chair. Please find another chair. Or maybe he says, I'll tell you what. Since I really like the benefit of you being near me and around me, I'll share my chair. You okay with this? Okay. I know this is on video. We better look away from each other. So we're like social distance, kind of. I'll share my chair. Now whose chair is it? Who owns the chair? Who controls the chair? 
Do we really? Huh? Who, who controls the chair? Who decides who controls this chair? He does. Why does he decide? Because it was his chair before it was mine. Now, in an earthly kingdom, everybody doing okay? I'm talking about dominion and authority in your life. You and I living and walking in authority the way God intends. In an earthly kingdom, if I wanted that chair, I would take that chair. Or at least try. Or I'd die trying. Right? And so we would war over this chair. We would fight over this chair. And he's stubborn and he outweighs me by five or ten pounds. And so I got to work harder. Right? Your wife laughed. I don't know what that was about. And so I would war him for this chair. Right? And let's just say I finally kick him out and I take over the chair. Whose chair is it now? All right. It's mine. All right. Thank you. He said. Now it's mine. Now here's the deal. This chair represents dominion. And the thing is, in a human kingdom, in a natural kingdom, men will war over the kingdom. But God will not war with you. For dominion in your life. He won't do it. He won't come and beat you up. And fight you. And try to kick you off the chair. Could he? Of course he could. The Lord. Here's what the Lord will do. He will come and he'll say. Could I have that place? Would you be willing to let me have dominion? And you operate in my kingdom. But you know what a lot of us want to do? We want to control the chair. And we want to say, God, would you bless my chair? God, would you bless the stuff around my chair? God, would you bless the things that come and go from my chair? And God says, you're wanting me to bless your kingdom. It's not my kingdom. But if you're willing to allow me to have dominion, and you're willing to allow me to rule and reign in your heart. My kingdom is already blessed. But our human nature wants God to bless our kingdom. Why do we want God to bless our kingdom? Because we're in control and he's not. We're in control and he's not. And it's a matter of willingness to give up control of my life so that he can be in control. Now, pray with me for a minute. Come on, would you talk to the Lord about what we've heard in these few minutes right now? In the name of Jesus. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is without question. But whether you're the king of kings in my life or whether you're the Lord of lords in my life, that is the question. 
I pray today by your word and your spirit there would be a yielding of our heart, a yielding of our mind, and a yielding of our life and spirit to you. As the song said, you are a good father. You're not one that would hurt, abuse, or take advantage, but you would you give good gifts to your children. In Jesus' name. God's desire is that you and I walk and live in spiritual dominion and authority. And so it was taken by the adversary. Really, it was given up by Adam and Eve. God gave dominion to Adam and Eve. The adversary deceived them, and when he deceived them, they gave up their dominion. I believe it's Psalms chapter 8 that says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him. He says, you've given him dominion. The psalmist was trying to wrap his mind around the fact that God would give dominion to men who were made lower than the angels. See, this bothered Satan. It bothered Satan that he couldn't have authority. You understand, that's what got him cast out of heaven. He couldn't have authority. And then God, it would seem to the adversary, like God rubbed it in his face by saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give dominion to people that are made lower than you. And the only way the adversary could get any dominion was to deceive the people of God into giving it up. Because he didn't have the authority to take it. We need to understand this. The reason the, reason the serpent deceived Adam and Eve in the garden is because he, if he could have just taken dominion, he would have. But he couldn't. He didn't have the power to do that. We give too much credit to the adversary. He didn't have the power to do that. So he deceived them. And he used subtlety and deception to get them to give it up. How did they give it up? They violated the word of God. They stepped out from under the authority of God. And they gave up dominion. Now. How do we get it back? The book of Acts chapter 2. Anybody interested in living and walking in spiritual dominion and authority in your life? Amen. I, this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God for you and I. Authority over every sickness, authority over every disease, authority over all the works of the enemy. I've read that somewhere in this book. I think it's Luke 19 and 10 or Luke 10 and 19. Maybe we should read that first. The book of Luke. I believe it's Luke 10, 19. We'll find out in a second. Luke 10 and 19. Let's read verse 18. I like that verse too. Luke 10 and 18. And he said, he is Jesus. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I like that verse. 
Isn't that beautiful? Verse 19, and then Jesus said, Behold, that means look, listen, pay attention. Behold, I give to you. Everybody say, to you. He was speaking to his disciples. He says, Behold, I give to you power. That word power there is exousia. It is a Greek word that means authority. Not just power like you can lift weights. Like authority. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And watch this. And over... What's that next word say? Over what? No, just certain portions. No, he said, I give you authority over how much? All the power of who? All the power of the enemy. And nothing. And what? Nothing. Say that again real loud. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the word of God. This is the plan of God. To give you and I dominion and authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is the word of God. And the word of God is true. And so if the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I'll give this to you, wouldn't you and I be interested in receiving what he's giving? I want this. I want to walk in this. I want to live in this. I want to abide in this. Now, he doesn't do this so that I can make a name for myself. He doesn't do this so I can get my name in lights or you can get your name in lights. Remember, it's not about you and I building our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And so when he does this, it's for his purpose. It's for his plan. It's for his cause. And so if my motive gets out of line and I start thinking, oh, look at the power and the authority I got, I forgot where it came from. And the Lord says, no, I can't bless that. You're trying to take back over the chair again. And there's only one that will sit on the throne. And you understand, and I understand, I trust, the throne is your heart and mine. It's who rules and reigns in my heart. And you know, if the Lord would wrestle us for it, it would probably be a lot easier. But he doesn't wrestle us for it. If I'm like, God, you can be the Lord of my life. You can rule and reign in my heart. He's like, okay, I'll do that if you let me. And we let him. But the moment we say, you know what, I think I'd like to take control over again. God doesn't resist. He doesn't argue. He, doesn't, he just steps out of the way and says, okay, it's yours. Why? Because that's called freedom of choice, free will. Why does God do that? Because he wants you and I to allow him to rule in our heart because we love him, not because he forced us to. This is why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you're scared to death of going to hell, you'll keep my commandments. Why? Because he's not one who motivates from fear. He motivates from love. And so he brings his word to us 
That's the love of God manifested to us. And then we respond to him out of love. That's a relationship. This is what he wants with you and I. This relationship where he rules and reigns in our life. But it's not a rule and reign. See, some of us, the challenge is we've had people that have exercised authority over us and it's not been a positive thing. We've had people who have exercised authority over us. It's been a very negative thing or a hurtful thing or a damaging thing. Or we, we've seen the abuse of authority in our lives. Or we, we've seen the abuse of someone that had to. And so, so we sort of resist to give up that place to God. We need to understand this about God. He's not one that ever abuses his authority. He never takes advantage of someone that's submitted to him. He never misuses us or mistreats us. The song was so fitting. He's a good father. I struggled at times in my journey to identify with him as a good father. And so he had to heal some things in my life. And heal some things in my heart. So I didn't put pictures of men on God and and put God in this box that aligned with the way I understood men to be. He's not that. He doesn't abuse His authority. He doesn't abuse His power. When you and I yield the place in our life completely to Him with a willingness and an availability that says, God, do what you got to do. I trust you. He won't hurt you. He'll heal you. Somebody please hear that again. He won't hurt you. He'll Heal you. You can trust Him with the broken places in your life. He won't humiliate you either. He'll restore. He won't embarrass you. He'll restore. What is it? It's His process to, as you're yielding. It's his process to come back into a place, as you allow him to, of dominion and authority in your life. And when you allow him in that place, then you begin to walk in that dominion and authority. But you have this understanding because of relationship with God. I'm not walking in my own authority. I'm walking under the covering of God. I'm operating in the power of God. This is his plan for your life and mine. The scripture says Jesus was speaking. He makes this statement. He says, I have come to seek and to save. Anybody finish that verse? What did he say? That which was lost. Notice he did not say I've come to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to seek and to save that. Something was lost. What was lost? Relationship was lost in the garden. Dominion was lost. He came to seek and to save the relationship. He came to seek and to save the place of dominion. He came to seek and to save and to restore man to the place they vacated in the garden. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So how does he do this? I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, and we'll come and wrap this up, I think. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 24. 
That was quick, wasn't it? Luke chapter number 24. What I'm going to share here, this is God's plan for restoring dominion that was stolen in the garden. All right? Anybody interested in that plan? This is God's plan to restore dominion that was given up in the garden. How's he going to do it? We'll read it right here. So we're reading in Luke chapter 24. Just so you understand context, Christ has already died. He's already been buried. He's already rose again. He's now showing himself alive for about 40 days. This is right at the end of those 40 days. You'll see that. We're reading Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. Luke 24 and 44. And now I want you to do me a favor. I want you to hold your hand right there in Luke 24. And then I want you to go past the book of John to Acts chapter 1 and hold your hand right there. Because we're going to finish reading here and we're just going to flip right over there, okay? This way you're not looking in a minute. So hold it at Luke 24 and then go hold your finger at Acts chapter 1. If you go from Luke 24, you'll pass, you'll pass through those uh, several chapters of the book of John and then you'll be in the book of Acts. You with me? You got Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1? Okay, let's go. Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, he is Jesus. These are the words which I spake to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning who? Who's me? Jesus. Okay. Short Bible study, just in case. Jesus said, All things must be fulfilled written in the law of Moses. Okay, here's the Bible study. Law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's called the Pentateuch because it's five books. Penta is five. Written by Moses, the law of Moses, the Mosaic law. So Jesus said everything written in the Mosaic law about me needs to be fulfilled. He went on past the law of Moses. He says, in the prophets. The prophets in the Old Testament starts at the book of Isaiah. How many has ever heard of the book of Isaiah? Yeah. Starts right there. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are all the prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus said everything written in the law first five books of the Bible, and in the prophets, all those that I just named off, has to be fulfilled. And he didn't stop there. And where else? In the Psalms. What are the Psalms? Where you're like, well, I know what the Psalms are. That one I know. Well, it's not just the Psalms. It's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and Lamentations. Those are considered the Psalms. Those were songs written or uh, Proverbs given. Okay? Jesus, what he, he could have just as easily said this. He could have just as easily said, all things much, must be fulfilled which were written in the Old Testament that concerned me. He was saying everything that you've read. He was speaking to those people there in Jerusalem. He's saying everything you read in the Old Testament, you're looking for this Messiah that's coming. Everything that's written there was, has to be fulfilled concerning me. I'm talking about the restoring of dominion, okay? 
Verse 45, they weren't quite following it, so I love what Jesus did, and this is what he has to do for every one of us. Verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. You need to pray that for yourself. God, open my understanding spiritually that I would understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, verse 46, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. Or it's written, and this is why it was necessary for Christ to suffer. To rise from the dead the third day. Here's why, verse 47. This is why all this was necessary, Jesus is saying. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Remember I said he wants to give dominion, this is his plan? Until you're endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So he ascended. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke picked up where he left off. He's sort of like like Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1 sort of lay over the top of each other when Luke wrote. The reason Luke, Acts chapter 1 says, the former treatise have I made. Luke is, that literally means in plain English for me, the former letter have I written. Luke was writing that, okay? Verse 4, Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you've heard of me. That sounds just like what we read in Luke 24, doesn't it? Wait for the promise of the Father. Tarry till the promise of the Father comes. See, Luke's just picking right up so that the reader will understand, I'm continuing where you were if you were reading my first letter. Does that make sense to all of us? Okay, this is important. Sometimes we complicate the Bible. It's important to understand context so we know what we're reading. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now watch, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, Lord, listen to their question. Listen to their question. Will you at this time... Restore again. What are they wanting to know about? About Will he restore what? Oh, they got a dominion question. Did you catch that? They got a question about dominion. Will you at this time restore your dominion? The king's dominion. You with me? Will you at this time restore your king? And listen to what Jesus said. It's not for you to know. The times or the seasons which the Father has in his own power. Verse 8. But you. Everybody say me. Say that again. Me. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, that's the promise of the Father. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Skip down to chapter 2, same book. Day of Pentecost was fully come. That's 50 days after the Passover. Pente means five, right? Pentecost was, a feast of Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. 
Okay? The Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament was when Moses went up on the mount and the Lord gave him the law. And the children of Israel didn't want to get near the mountain because they saw lightning and fire on the mountain. And they were afraid. The scripture says they didn't want to approach the mountain. They told Moses, you go, we'll wait and bring us back what the Lord says. And so the Lord gave the word to Moses on that mountain. And Israel celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. Recognizing when God appeared to Moses and lightning fire was on the mountain. That's significant because Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, or began to speak in other languages as the Spirit of God gave them the words. That's the promise of the Father. And Jesus said, we read it in Acts 1, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost is the infilling of the Spirit of God whereby they would begin to walk in dominion. I finish with these verses. Stay in Acts chapter 2, but go, go to verse number 38. So if you read all those verses in between, the people in Jerusalem saw all this stuff happening. They're trying to figure out what in the world is going on here. Peter says, hey, they're not drunk like you think they are. So they must have looked a little crazy. But he said, they're not drunk like you think, seeing it's just the third hour of the day. But Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so they were seeing this happen. This is the promise of the Father. This is the power of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Spirit of God. So they would no longer have to try to figure it out on their own, but the Spirit of God was dwelling in them, and they could now walk in the power of His Spirit. Dominion. Authority. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not here nor there. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. Acts 2.38. You'll remember what we read in Luke 24. Jesus said, repentance and remission of sin should be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. Remember that? So let's see if they obeyed what Jesus told them. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter. Now, if you read earlier here, you saw Peter stood up with the 11. So he wasn't all by himself out there on a limb. They were all standing with him. Peter said unto them, repent. Oh, Jesus said they should teach that. And be baptized, every one of you. Who should be baptized? Well, you guys, you guys read the same thing I read. Every one of you, that's who. How should they be baptized? Some of you stopped reading all of a sudden. How, let's read that. How should they be baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ. For Why should they be baptized? For the remission of sins. This is the word of God. Notice, it's exactly what Jesus said in Luke 24. Repentance. And remission of sins should be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. That's exactly what Peter did when he said you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the removal, the washing away of your sins. And you shall receive, that's a promise, 
the promise of the Father, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise, verse 39, is to you. It's to your children. It's to them that are afar off. It's as many as the Lord our God shall call. Stand with me, please. This promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost, the indwelling Spirit of God, is a restoration of dominion. Somebody needs to understand what you receive when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have a restoring of dominion. Because... For the Spirit of the Lord to come and fill your life with the gift of His Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. I have to be willing to give up control and allow Him to rule and reign in my heart. I'm probably going to get in trouble here with somebody. I don't know. Maybe not. This is why... Remember this little example we did a few minutes ago with the chair? This is why the idea of once saved, always saved doesn't bear out with Scripture. Doesn't fit Scripture. If this kingdom that is my heart, I decide, you know what, God, I think I'd like to rule and reign in my own heart now. He gave the chair back up. It doesn't work that way. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. We've got to understand this. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all in my life. He wants to be Lord of all. That's not a scary thing. That's a wonderful, liberating thing. That's a victory, authority, dominion, freedom, peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Ghost thing. This is His desire. And this is how He restores dominion. When you receive the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost... And then you, by His grace, the Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of grace in one place in the Scripture. When you, by His grace, begin to go, okay, I no longer want to make my own decisions on my own intellect and will, but by the grace of God, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to operate according to the Word of God as I learn it. And the the Scripture says the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so we begin to learn to follow the Spirit of God that now lives in us. When we pray and we read the Word, He gives us understanding. He directs our steps. And we're learning to follow Jesus. Nobody's born and learned. You know, i got three kids. They're in their 20 and up now. But when they were born, they couldn't walk. I think about Elijah. Elijah, when he first came to my house a little over a year ago, he couldn't walk. I'd pick him up. He'd cry. He didn't want nothing to do with me. I think I'm sort of his best bud now, sort of like that. And so, but now he can walk. He can run. Nobody expected him when he was born to walk. But now if I'm playing with him and he starts crawling, I'm like, what are you crawling? Stand up and come over here. Run over here. Why? Why would we do that? Because he's growing, right? So when, a ch- when you and I are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's not this expectation, okay, now you should live and walk in the power and the authority of the Spirit and everywhere you go, and you should never make a mistake, you should never stumble, you should never fall, you should be perfect and have it all together. No. You were just born. But what do you do? You learn to walk in the Spirit. 
you learn to read the Word and let the Word of God begin to direct your life. And you learn and, and you grow. The Bible talks about growing in the fullness and the stature of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm praying for little children until Christ would be formed in them. This is a process and a journey. So don't get frustrated if you don't have it all figured out yet. But don't pull back and take the chair back. Say, God, keep leading me. Keep guiding me. Get in relationship with people of God. Get in fellowship with the body of Christ. Get in the Word of God. Get in a place of prayer. And let the Spirit of God continue to lead and guide us. And we walk in authority and in dominion. Not our own. His. 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 I'll tell you what happened. You need to know this. When you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you walk into a room, everything in that room changes. Everything. Why? Paul said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Whose you are? Your body, when you're filled with the Spirit, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to tear down this temple. He said, this temple you see, there won't be one stone left upon another. Why did he do that? He didn't want them looking at a building. He wanted them to understand. We read this in Acts chapter 19. The Most High God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He dwells in these tabernacles. And so when you walk into a room as a Holy Ghost filled child of God, that room, the atmosphere changes. I'm going to give you an example and we're going to be done. I, my boss at work used to be my boss. Now we're peers. We, we work together side by side. She made a statement to me one time. She goes, I don't think you, I don't understand. Joel, you don't even recognize it. Something like that. She said it. And I felt like she was telling me this. She didn't know why she was telling me, but I felt like the Lord was trying to make me aware of something. You know, sometimes God will have people share stuff with you, not to boost your ego. That God never does stuff to boost your ego. He shares stuff with you to make you aware that you may not be aware of. She said, I don't know if you recognize. She said, but when you come into a room, it's like something changes when you get here. Now, I didn't go, ooh, man, I'm somebody. I, I promise you, I didn't think that at all. I, I told her, here's exactly what I said. I said, you know why that is, right? She goes, well, I know why you're going to tell me that is. I said, well, that's exactly why it is. It's not me, it's him. He's changing the room. My wife and I lived in a house for, what, we live in that house at, peach tree for a year two years we lived in a house for two years in arkansas the last two years before we moved back we were only there three years uh two years before we moved back 10 years ago our bedroom had uh the it had a, a of course a bedroom area and then there was sort of like a sitting desk area off the ones and in the mornings that's where i would go that would be my place of prayer i just spend time with god oftentimes right there in that corner if I'd get up in the middle of the night or something, that would be my place of prayer. Or 
or if stuff was going on in the home on a weekend or when I had time off, I would, that would be my place of prayer. And God would, as we all know, God will meet us in our place of prayer. We should have a closet of prayer, and I, I thank God for that, and I, those things are precious to me. And, but the Lord brings things to us so we understand. You've got to know He wants to work in and through you. This is the purpose of His Spirit, so that you have dominion. We would meet there, or I would pray there. We moved. We hadn't lived there for, I think, two years at that point. I think we'd been gone two years back here in Washington, at least. Maybe three. Two, maybe three. I think it was three years. And uh, the guy that takes care of the house for us, because we still own it, we just rent it out. Um, And so he was showing the house to somebody. And he calls me. He says, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, because I knew he was showing the house. And he's like, I said, okay, what's going on? He says, like, I just showed this house to these people. I'm like, okay. He said, I told him, you know, just walk through because it was empty. He said, just walk through, take a look. If you have questions, let me know. I'll just hang out in here. We'll be, you know, when you're done, let me know. And if you got any questions, I'll answer them. And he said, so this man and woman walked through the house. And he said, they spent some time, and he said, they went back and through the bedrooms, and he said, they took a few minutes before they came back. He said, then they came back, and he said, the lady said, I have a question for you. Who lived in this house before? He said, um, I, I don't know if I can tell you that. You know, he'd had different people. We'd had a couple renters in there before them. And she goes, no, here's why I'm asking. She said, that room back there. She said, when I walked through that room, in that corner, not the bedroom part, but in that, she said, when I walked through there, it's like I felt the presence of an angel or the presence of God was there in that place, in that room. He said, I told her, oh, the person that lived here before used to pray, that's where they would. Now, Again, I didn't go, oh, man, I'm somebody. The Lord was revealing something to me. When you and I are filled with His Spirit and we find a place where we commune and fellowship with Him, that's not just some casual, I checked off my list and I prayed in the morning. You and I are having an audience with Almighty God and there's things that we can talk to Him about angels can't even do. And so when we begin to worship Him, they're moved. And the Scripture says in Hebrews, there's things that angels desire to look into. You need to understand, when He fills you with the Holy Ghost, you have dominion. You have dominion. You don't have to fear anything in this world. You walk not in your authority, but His. Would you reach to Him right now and begin to talk to Him with me? Come on, talk to Him. Jesus, in Your name. I pray revelation and understanding given us today by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God of whose we are and what happens What happens when we're baptized in your name and filled with your spirit? Open our understanding today of the scriptures. Open our understanding today of your love for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every individual in this place would be filled with your spirit and walk in the power and the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would yield our heart unto you. 
as a seat of Your authority, Lord, where You rule and reign in my thoughts, in my actions, in my daily living, where You rule and reign in my home, on my job, wherever I go, that I'm no longer leading my own life, but that You would lead my life for Your glory and for Your purpose, for Your plan and for Your desire. God, I've made a mess of my life doing it my own way, but when You take control and You begin to lead things begin to come in alignment things begin to come into place Uh, it doesn't mean it's without problem Lord this I know but even in the problems and the trial you give strength uh, you give peace uh, you give hope because it comes from you not from circumstances not from this world but from heaven I thank you Father I thank you Father I pray the revealing of yourself to every heart that is hungry I pray the revealing of yourself to every soul that is searching I pray the ministry and the manifestation of your spirit to every life that would receive of you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 Jesus we worship you Jesus we worship you would you just talk to him about where you are today Would you just talk to Him about where you are today? Maybe there's a place in your life that as we've been talking through different parts of the Word of God today, you realize, I'd like to give up some dominion. Lord, I need You to rule in some areas of my life that I've been trying to control. Would you be willing to take that and express it to Him and say, I'm casting this on You. Come on, do that right now. There's something in the power of the spoken Word. In the spoken Word... Come on, this is between you and the Holy Ghost right now. Between you and God. That area that you've held, that maybe you've held on to, that you're just trying to figure it all out. You're just trying to control it and get it all fixed in your own mind and your own efforts. You're just about at your wit's end maybe. You're just not sure, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm going to tell you what to do today. Cast it on Him. The Scripture says, cast all of your cares on Him. What's that mean? That means I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I have a confidence that You do. I don't know what to do with this, but I believe You do. And so give me grace today to trust You with it. I cast this thing on You. I cast this care on You. I cast this worry on You. I cast this concern on You. Come on, talk with Him where You are. Let His Spirit begin to minister to your heart and life today. He knows the need of your heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. of the most high it's where I abide it's where
where I abide. Come on, let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost today. To be by your side That's where I hide That's where I hide I desire you In all I do My soul thirsts for you I give my all to you Forever Oh my worship, oh my praise, I give my all, I give my all, oh my worship, oh my praise, I give my all, I give my all. My worship, oh my praise, I give my all, oh I give my all. In the secret place of the Most High, it's where I abide, it's where I abide. By your side, that's where I hide. That's where I hide. I desire you in all I do. My soul thirsts for you. I give my all to you forever. Oh, my worship, oh, my praise, I give my all, I give my all. Oh, my worship, oh, my praise, I give my all, I give my all. By your side, that's where I hide. That's where I hide. I desire you in all I do. My soul thirsts for you. I give my all to you forever. Oh my. My I give my all, oh my worship, oh my 
give my all
We want to live that. We want to walk that. We want to allow the Lord place and room in our life today as we go. Allow him to direct. Allow him to lead. Allow him to guide you on a daily basis. We serve a mighty God. He will lead you and direct you. Seek him. Trust him. In the name of Jesus, you are free to go today. May God be with you and God bless you in the name of Jesus. Not because, like, tips are. In the secret 